0: hey ladies and gentlemen you're listening to the viallucci podcast honest uncensored and unedited discussions about life and everything in it so sit back relax and let's start the show
1: flow. Do you um, appreciate being called Dr. David? I do by you.
0: Yes, of course. Well, why, because why it's like I? saying,
1: sir, if you've earned it, you should be called that. Like um, I'd have a, like, a T-shirt with it on. I'll stop yeah. swearing. I mean,
0: I don't expect my mother to say Dr. David Bull. I mean, she just calls me David. But yeah. on the whole, uh, if it is uh, relevant, then yes,
1: Dr. David it Bull. It seems but the most polite thing <laughs> is Dr. David. But like, you've earned it. Like, I'd feel rude to say David.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one, that, isn't it? Because medical doctors are doctors. Mm. And yet there are many other professions that actually have a doctorate. Yeah. But they PhDs. can't use yeah and they can't use doctors well they probably can but you know well,
2: they if, do well they do but if you're on an
0: aircraft and someone says is there a doctor on the yeah. plane yeah. You're, n- you're not going to say yes i'm a doctor of archaeology yeah. um so well it, it, it's a, it's a slightly we odd were just talking about my
1: girlfriend uh, was a dentist and she had an on plate when she was young and started it that had doctor on it and i said that ain't gonna fly <laughs> That is, yeah. people are not gonna like that you can get rid of that why
2: would they not like it
1: well, it's like we are talking about the Lamborghini thing. Don't have a supercar that if it breaks down, you're going to be in trouble. Get a car that people will leave alone. And it's like that with the doctor. They said, you, that's too arrogant. You can't put that on. Somebody will eventually key it or something like that. Um, do you, what what world do you live in? Do you, you don't think people would do that?
2: No. My, um, my partner has a uh, very nice car. And actually, we drive past and there's these guys in like really well, awful vans, really, you know, really old and battered yeah. vans. And they're, like, putting their thumbs up and waving. And I'm like, that's really nice. No, yeah, nice. that's the
1: norm. But you yeah. can't take the risk of that car breaks down or, like, somebody, somebody's just going to... You know, people are like that. And I don't know what area that is, but some areas where normal people live. <laughs> yeah. Um, David. Dr. David. <laughs> Dr. David. So no. I've been... Um, <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> I, no, it's definitely Dr. David. I... I've, as I said to uh, Jenny, I've been wanting to meet you for a lot longer than we've actually corresponded for. Oh. When I was still a full-on full on ape and I didn't know anything and I was looking around in the world for sort of role models and things, this is no joke, about yeah. I, I, I'd seen like a... I respected people that I'd seen on like... A, just certain people I'd seen growing up, and I thought, oh, I'll like that person for no reason. I couldn't figure out why I was too young. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. But, like, maybe people are being honest. Like the Stephen Fry, I thought, I like him. I don't, I haven't got the sort of knowledge to know why I like him. But I'd seen you on TV every now and again. Like, I, I can't even remember what programs are on. But when somebody talks passionately... Mm. There's something they give off that you can't act. You have, you can, if you're emotionally intelligent enough, you can see it. Where other people can be very passionate about it, everybody's passionate. But some people, it's just their nature. It's, they're not even trying to be. It's just their nature. And I noticed that as about you. So every now and again, if I ever saw your face on TV or something, I'd stop and I'd watch it. And as I was <laughs> saying, you, you've, like, you're more of a conservative background um have i well i mean literally conservative yeah because i was trying to explain what did you do in brighton you i was the... the prospective parliamentary candidate but
0: that's at the end of a much longer journey right so, yeah yeah Yeah.
1: Uh, but so uh, we shouldn't get on anyway it's because of that shouldn't we yeah my, my fault well
0: no, i'm a centrist so no. you know it's up to you whether you get on with me but
1: so like i said i was an idiot so i didn't really understand okay. the, the nuances um Because it's like when you're stupid and you hear that word, eh, there's a barrier straight away. So, um, but then I'd seen you on shows and then I I always notice things like I've got good pattern recognition. I thought you see how people change over time because of what they're doing and jobs and different things come along. But whenever I heard you speak about anything, like you do a lot on sexual health and things like Mm. that, it was like even like 10 years later you were still leaning forward when you talked about something. And it was still, I was recognizing that's genuine. Like out of a thousand people, you were like one of 10 people that I thought, no, that is definitely genuine, but it never changed. So even like recently when I saw you on the um, the, right stuff, uh, yeah, the show, right stuff, I saw you on there and I thought, you're still doing it. It's like, <laughs> it's no different. Like you, sh- nothing's changed in all that time. So that meant there's something about you. And I always remind the fact that you dressed well, you look good. He hasn't aged, by the way. So we definitely know there's a deal with the devil gone on there somewhere. And I'm not exaggerating. If you go back and watch them, you should see a massive... It doesn't work. That is such a lie. I no. do age.
0: What? If you go back to Newsround, I look How like a that? boy band. 20 uh, 20 years. Yeah, but you, yeah. you say
1: boy band, you go, yeah. yeah. So it's not, it's, nothing's changed. <laughs> I didn't want to say. But like I said, you had all the things that were like, you, you, were, you were very passionate about things that I wouldn't associate you with. Like you were enrolled with the media and blah, 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 but you still had that, you, you dressed very well, but you never did that over the top thing where you're trying to be cool. So you had, it was all these things. So I always admired that. So when I contacted you when two years ago or whatever, mm. I was going to contact you a lot longer before, when I started this, like I said, seven, eight years mm. ago, when I thought about it for the first time. And I was running around. I wanted to contact the people and I respected you enough that I thought the certain people, I'm not going to contact them unless I've got something to bring to like to show to them. Cause I think that'd be disrespectful to go, Oh, mm. please help me. And they might do it. But then I know I shouldn't really be asking them. It's not fair. So I only contacted not largely, whatever it was when I thought, Oh, like now I feel like I've earned the right to be able to talk to this man <laughs> that I'd seen on the screen and I'd respected him. So that's why I got you on well, here. Thank so it's you a very real much. treat. Um, so where are you you're off on holiday? I am, yes. Where that to? I'm going to Antigua. Oh, you're back. Okay, see. Yeah. And that's tomorrow.
0: Uh, it is actually the day after tomorrow, but okay. I'm going to go down to Gatwick and have a lovely evening in a hotel all on uh, my own. What's happened? Uh, Heathrow. Are they Well, let's
2: hope you're not flying BA. Uh,
0: oh, oh. Possible
2: strikes, but you should be okay. Well, Who's uh,
0: striking? I'll just enjoy the hotel.
1: Well, there you go. <laughs> Who's striking on the airplanes?
2: Um, what, the air stewards. What
1: yeah. are they complaining about?
2: Pay. Isn't i it thought they here? were
1: off but uh thanks for uh highlighting we'll my fear hopefully and it is, is the tube stripes
2: off as well so yeah, is ba
1: the, i don't fly so i don't know oh, don't on, you? i what, fly a lot well, i've been on like three planes the, the one was a panic attack so i can't remember and the second one i was doped up so i couldn't remember but anyway so i've got no experience of being on planes basically mm. do you uh is ba the best airline no in the they're world? awful
2: sorry BA. The, the british airways awful
1: I would say
0: they're my favourite airline, just to Uh, counter that argument. So it depends who you like to fly with, and also it depends which class you fly with, doesn't it? the British Airways are not on it. Well, you know, it's like anything, isn't it? The more you fly with any airline, the more points and the more sort of accreditation you get, and therefore you get better benefits. What do you mean points, like Tesco Club Card? Yeah. Oh, you do, really? Yeah, you do, you get Avios. And so the more Avios you get, and the higher up the tier point system, you then move from a blue card, I think, originally, Mm. or is it bronze? No, blue, then bronze, then uh, gold, silver, and then gold. Hang on. Is so, the more you fly, the more privileges you get. That means that you oh, get but a better what class, class system. class system! That's dead. It's rocket
1: it off straight Well,
2: up. it's frequent flyers, you know. It's similar yeah. to and any other it? And still, reward you turn card, left for the posh
1: and right for the. Yeah. That's horrific. So, there's a tier system now of like. Didn't play. But, they used to have two even, layers on play, Even EasyJet do that, remember, because you have EasyJet
0: normal and EasyJet plus. So, that is a tier but system. But what's the
1: plus? <laughs> <laughs> the
0: plus is a uh, slightly bigger They're leg room. And you get to board the plane faster. You board the
1: plane faster. Oh, God. Like, that, is EasyJet the lowest thing? I mean, it's like... Well, that's like... there's
2: Ryanair as well.
0: <laughs>
1: the Irish like, one. Yeah. Yeah. EasyJet, Although all...
2: Ryanair's overtaken them in terms of, you know...
0: I think you'll profit. find more. EasyJet has more aircraft than British Airways. Oh, probably got
1: more I easier. I didn't know
2: that, bad actually, EasyJet, I think... I mean, they're now going a bit more like Ryanair, which I think's a shame. You know, you have to pay for literally everything and they mm. try and catch you out, but... Um, so who's
1: like know. the best airline? Is there a top level that you go, well, it's prop- a choice,
2: you know, I'm yeah. an Emirates girl. Yeah,
1: I would say a lot of people would say Emirates. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. When was the last time you've been on a plane, Jenny?
2: Um, I went to the Caribbean over Christmas. Oh, is that for- where you went?
1: Oh, so oh. Alicia, yes. How long was you there for?
2: 15 nights, it was brilliant.
1: Was that with uh. a Ferrari fella? Yes, Couldn't you give me his let's, initials? Let's not call him that. But I've got no reference. I don't know what to refer to him as.
2: Well, he's related uh, to EasyJet. He's the CEO of Easy Property. Uh,
1: oh, is easy splitting off now? Is it?
2: Well, yeah, they do what they gyms, have: easy, easy property, easy jet, easy. What else do they do? It's what quite else a is lot, easy
1: aren't there? Um,
0: okay. Yeah,
2: easy coffee now. Oh, I is think they, they?
0: contacted yeah. easy yeah. easy hotel,
2: easy cars,
1: easy cars. <laughs>
2: anyway, this is not about easy or easy. <laughs> is this like an advertorial <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Is it or easy or e a s y? E a s y. Why didn't they show it? They missed something there. Easy, easy y. Easy, We'll have so, to get
2: our bu- on and we'll ask him ourselves. But it's a bad
1: word to sh- easy. Like, it's just easy. Why? It's time to, you know, we can get rid of that easy. And orange. You use orange. What, what sort of color? But he did that for a reason. It's a, it's a really good Pantone if you want to stand
0: out. So if you look at any brand marketing columns, yeah. no one uses orange.
1: But he yeah. did. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's a, protein, there's a protein that came out recently and they used like a lime green, the most horrific colour. But you're right, if that's there yeah. and they're all white and blue, that stands out. But I don't like yeah. being tricked like that. <laughs> I don't like the fact you're bad. Did you, you buy it? No, because what did I say to you before about when the, um, a friend of mine, one of the many drunk people that came into the clubs that I'd questioned worked in uh, um, PR and marketing and he was telling me about when Teletubbies come out you know, in the mm. eight, late 80s whenever it was and they realised you didn't even have to have a story. What the psychologist did he said, all you need is movement and noise and colours. Mm. doesn't matter. And then they started to use that for adults. And they were like, oh, it works with adults as well. Mm. So then you started to get the X factor, the screen moves, 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 moves. Don't ever have anything still. Move, click again. Use yeah. the colour there, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But that's sort of like patronising people I don't like. I think it's wrong, even though it but works. But it works. So that's what annoys it's me. That's what but annoys from me. business to health... Oh, no. yes. <laughs> oh yes! Oh <laughs> yes! Yes, is that me? What, what happens yeah. about? Are you, so, are you still a doctor? What do you mean? Yes, but you don't course. have to practice, or you lose your. Ah, uh,
0: it's a very, very long story. This. So, um, when um, the change in the law came in, essentially, every year we undergo an annual appraisal, mm-hmm. and every five years we are revalidated. And you have to do it. But they say, like David, listen, we haven't seen you for like ten years. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so uh, kind of for doctors like me, it's quite difficult because we have a very, you know, sort of fixed portfolio folio career, I right. would say. So it's been quite difficult to keep up in terms of making sure that I wanted to be accredited and did want to mm. practice. I actually then stopped practicing after right. a while because my TV just took over. Right, I did yeah. so much yeah. of it, and then recently, after coming back from America where I lived for six years, I decided to get my license back. So I do. How now long did that take it you to get your license um, back? Well, I'm in the process of it still, but ab- about six months.
2: Okay. Oh, that's yeah. not too bad. Because I always look at Judge Rinder on the TV, and I always think he's never going to be able to practice again, is he? After doing well, that, I don't know. I think. He's he still does he doesn't practice as a barrister absolutely not
1: is it in England or America
2: Here. we have Judge Judy in the States yeah. and our equivalent is Judge he was on, come on he was on Strictly Come Dancing did you not watch it no
1: With Bruce foresight <laughs> no <laughs> is that not like in the 80s
2: no Strictly no. Come Dancing
1: yes yeah.
2: it's very good it's BBC 1's it. highest rating
0: show maybe you'll be
2: on it next year i love that You'd probably be quite good.
1: You'd not be i be able to yeah. walk at the moment. Yeah. I, I can't don't... walk
0: at the moment, but that's uh, from too uh, much
1: running. Yeah. Oh, you, have you ever done dance? You yeah. look like that sort of, yeah. What do you mean light, like that Like you look of... quite light on your feet, like you move your fit. Yeah, I'm fit. Oh.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the out.
2: So why are you concentrating on sexual health? That's what you're doing I'm at the not, moment. I'm why not that?
0: really. Um, it's just one of the things that I'm campaigning on which is that I think I brought it up on the right stuff uh, a couple of weeks ago but we were talking about PrEP which is a, uh, a drug that you can use to protect people who are at high risk from HIV mm. and we can now say with pretty good efficiency that if you take it every day and you have really good compliance we can reduce your rate in high risk individuals by about as 86 to 93% which mm. is extraordinary. Now the problem is the cost of that drug is about right, 400 yeah. pounds a month because the there wasn't a controversy
2: in Africa where they wouldn't you know they were charging a fortune they just That's weren't right. giving them out and so yeah.
0: now what's happened is the drug manufacturer Gilead is mm. now giving it to Africa or at, li- at least has licensed the use of generics in Africa yeah. and they can be given for much cheaper now the problem we've got here is the NHS doesn't want to fund the 400 pounds a month because they think this is a lot of money I might argue that 400 pounds a month now for the next two or three years which would yeah. reduce mm. the rate of HIV significantly. Isn't HIV rising again now? Well, it was rising. Now, interestingly, on those people, if you look at 5016 Street, their latest figures, they've shown a massive reduction in new infections in HIV. And that's because we're catching them early, we're putting high-risk people on this particular drug. And that means that if we can continue this then we could eradicate HIV yeah. from the United States. But do you Kingdom?
2: think people are being a bit blase about it? Because in the 80s it was this big scare but yeah. nowadays everyone just assumes that it's sort of like, it's an old thing that's yeah, doesn't, when it's I, not around when I was, anymore. In my
1: heyday, the clubs and things, people were scared about yeah. it. But now, like from working in clubs, You don't even clubs, think about it, do they, they most people? Well, it's I gone think, back to not using yeah, condoms again.
0: Very much, mm. and I think it's an age thing. So anyone over 40 is still absolutely yeah, terrified yeah, yeah. because of what we saw, the tombstone adverts yeah. that were yeah. falling down, if you yeah. remember. There is a disease. Yeah. Do you remember all that? Yeah, And of of course, when I talk to, to young people in their 20s, they don't care because they say, well, HIV, it doesn't matter if I get it. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, why doesn't it matter? And they say, because it's curable. Yeah, Gosh, that's terrifying. Is that what they're saying? And I say, Is but it's not saying? curable. It's treatable. It's manageable, yeah. It's yes. treatable. It's manageable. Yeah. Um, and they say, well, you just take a tablet and I'm fine. Now, of course, it's not like that, yeah. and the problem mm. is that we've we've sort of created You've that done for ourselves. Well. So, well, we yeah. have a bit because <laughs> I've been there saying, "Well, look, it doesn't matter. You yeah, know, we yeah, can yeah. deal with this. We can give you medication and everything." That's mm. been interpreted as, woohoo, we don't need to worry." Yeah. Um, and so we've gone back mm. to seeing huge rises. And certainly, you're right; HIV was rising very dramatically, yeah. but unsafe sex.
2: And it's predominantly unsafe sex, not like you know drug users. It was. And that yeah, I thing.
0: mean, IV drug users mm-hmm. and, and unsafe sex is the bigger thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So why did you focus in on this campaign then? What struck Uh, you about that?
0: I I guess it was just one of those things that I thought we could do something about really quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's so obvious. It was needless. It was a needless thing. Well, and in fact, let's go back to your conservative thing. It was Margaret Thatcher who sanctioned the original HIV advert. Oh, really? Um, um, Yeah, and she really worried about it for a very long time. But that was probably the biggest public health advertising ever done. Yeah. Because Mm. it was so wild in what it did. Yeah. yeah. it did frighten people into changing their behaviour. Yeah. And we did see drops in yeah. HIV rate. And remember, at that time, no one really knew what it was. It was originally called HTLV-1. It yeah, became known as HIV you know. virus. Um, and we didn't really understand the link then between HIV and AIDS. Yeah. And if you watch Philadelphia, for example, yeah. now, it's inc- incredibly poignant yeah. to watch what we really don't see anymore. Yeah. And I suppose one of the reasons that I got involved is I was a very young doctor. I was only 23, so I had blonde, floppy hair. I looked uh, like I was in a boy <laughs> band. looks now. <laughs> um, well, I look a bit old. Um, and I was working on Rodney Porter Ward in uh, St Mary's in W2. And I had a ward full of very beautiful, young boys and girls who just looked like they stepped out of a nightclub. And every single one of them died. Oh, Jesus. And they died horrific deaths. And I never want to see that again. I never want to smell what I smell. You know, it's like you are poured in acid when you have HIV and when you get on to AIDS. And so I thought, you know, many years later, not only did it obviously scar me enormously, mm. but now we're at a stage where we have a drug that protects people against yeah. it. That's an extraordinary place to be yeah. in. So why aren't we funding it? And this is when I get really finger-pointery because the government will say, well, it costs £400 a month to give it to everyone who needs it. But my argument is, well, it's going to come off patent in two years. We are only funding it for two years until Gilead loses its patent. We can then have generic drug and that will cost four pounds a month yeah but in that time we can reduce rates and protect people and that is what we're meant to be doing
1: yes. i read something about years ago it's really bad about this uh, the big drugs company was buying up the aids thing uh, tablet and using them in africa but they're all defunct the tablets all so there years, has been a major problem that. with that think it, of a human yeah. being that does that like selling aids uh, 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 mm-hmm. tablets but nothing they're doing nothing
2: well drug companies do have bad rap and you know, well, especially. But they are a business at the end of the day. They are. Think well, it's not really the that. drug
0: companies that were doing it. There were a couple of unscrupulous drug companies. But let's just go back to the HIV thing. So say, for example, now that you are... Um, and people always say, well, it's just to promote promiscuity. That's why people want to. Okay. Mm. Well, you know, condoms break. So I keep saying this is like a seatbelt. You take the tablet and then, you know, you should use condoms. But if they break, you know you have added yeah, 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 protection. Yeah, yeah. And then everyone has a big go in this, you know, all the newspapers. The Daily Mail has a mm. go at me. And the, the, the irony of this is it's, it's exactly the same argument with, that was used against the pill. It's exactly the same mm. argument. All we want to do is to give someone a tablet a day that stops you getting yeah. HIV. Isn't that very similar to being yeah. on a tablet that stops you becoming pregnant? <laughs> mm. Isn't it very similar? Yeah. Um, and so now the problem is, say you are at high risk or think you're at high risk or you're worried and you want to get on this tablet, you have to find £400 out of your own income to pay for the drug. Okay. Now, I the question
2: remains, and maybe let me be a little bit Daily <laughs> Mail. Um, high risk, so the kind of people who fall in that category i mean just human me well ivy
0: drug users for a start yeah. uh, there's a lot of issues around um chem sex parties at the moment people taking drugs to have sex where you don't know who you're having sex with uh, it may be that you are uh, say a haemophiliac you know you might feel that you want to have uh, further protection from any blood products that might not be screened properly and then of course men who have sex with men
2: i suppose then that the day you know some people might say, not the last two, but the, the camsexual... I've never even heard of that sort of thing, but there that's you go. a very good <laughs> <video laughs> The first thing is, that's a lifestyle choice. They're doing that. Why should the so government smoking, fund... Yeah, exactly. Why should you fund but anyone that, with respiratory illness? That's what people illness. will be saying. And I imagine yeah. if this was in the mail, that was the kind of comment. But so remember, what would you say to that? Remember, the
0: whole point of the NHS is we provide care which is free at the point of delivery. We do not sit there as judge and jury over what we deliver. Mm.
2: But it's not... Preventative always is it? It's reactionary the NHS no which both. is why
0: it should be more preventative. In my opinion, it really should. Because- so that comes down
1: to education and things like yeah. that. That's not yeah. really looked at.
0: But let's just finish my anecdote, which is that say you want to go on it, you have to pay four hundred pounds a month out of your own pocket. Now you work out that's what uh, for nearly five thousand pounds a month, which means you have to be earning about ten thousand pounds mm. a year just to pay for that drug. Who can do that? Yeah, yeah. Very few people. So now, even mm. the sexual health services here are saying, go online and buy the drug from India, right, yeah, yeah. which we don't know yeah, 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 how yeah, good yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. And then you take that and that costs £40 a month. Now, mm-hmm. this cannot be a good situation yeah. <laughs> where we, the NHS, are saying, go to some dodgy website yeah. and buy the drug.
1: That's a more realistic option. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Now, there's something wrong in that position, mm. and that's what I'm trying to get sorted
1: out. Yeah. I want to know about your background, because I don't really know too much. Like, what's, what's your story? Like, where were you born and things? Oh, God, it's really exciting. Um, I was born
0: uh, in Farnborough, in Kent, okay. um, in 1969. So, do the math, as See, the
1: Americans that's mental, say. That you, you're looking at you from the 60s so when when <laughs> you're 18 i can't do maths um
0: in the 70s a long time ago
1: you no, 80s no. 80s, 80s. Yeah. oh 80s okay right hence
0: why i love 80s music <laughs> it was my music yeah so basically born in uh, in farnborough and kent and then we moved to suffolk when i was about six because mm-hmm. my dad got relocated with work and i grew up in a, a wonderful part of the country um you know with tractors and fields and mm, all that kind lovely. of stuff Just and nice. then went to school there went to a couple of schools there and then Decided I want to go to medical school at eighteen, and. Uh, oh, so you
1: knew straight away.
0: Um, I knew since the age of four I wanted to be a doctor. A
1: doctor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what happened? You just got straight into the system. Did I did you do good at school.
0: Uh, I yeah I did I did I was very quiet. Yeah. Mm, What happened there? Uh, I was very quiet. I did my O-levels. That's how old I am. Uh, A-levels. And then you apply for medical school. And I wanted to go to London because it seemed very exciting and fabulous. Um, And I applied for five medical schools in London. And I got into, I would say, the best one. Uh, hmm. which was st mary's hospital which is now part of imperial college oh, okay so and why did
2: you choose general practice sorry
0: oh well i didn't so you go in a, you basically go into medical school you do yeah. your undergraduates and then after undergraduate training you then decide what you're going to do from there and so hmm. i then went into what the americans call uh internal medicine uh and then into accident and emergency and okay. care of the elderly and oh, you have to go into accident and, and emergency limb, yeah that must have been hmm. fun yeah, I did A and E for a very long time. Actually, I, just,
1: I knew I was listening to a guy, a scientist in. Um, he worked in Crash or whatever the uh, Australian version is. When people come in, and he said he's really in interesting. Resus. He he would deal with all the you don't know what's coming through the door like you don't. that's what mm-hmm. it's and but he would he was just of that mindset that he was always sort of trying to figure things out. He'd always learn from people <laughs> and try tricks that, and listen to people that old wives' tales to try mm-hmm. them out. And he said there was one where. We know about, um, uh, you know, pain relief and, you know, you can make people believe that they're, they're going to get better Placebo. and things like that. Placebo, yeah. And he said he tried it once on a guy. There was something, he had something, there was something wrong, oh, what, uh, stones? Kidney uh, Renal stones, stones. Yeah. kidney stones. Yeah, and he said, so this is pain. This isn't like, mm. no, headaches. a headache, talk to you. And he said, the guy had been suffering from it and he came back in and he said, look, it's really bad. He said, there was this big guy, he's laying down table. He said he was almost crying. This big guy was so, and he said, I was just going to try something. He said, so he ordered the whatever the injection was for them to go and get it. He said, but I, I told the guy, I put the, the drip into him, and he said, right. And he's talking to him, right? Okay, don't worry, you're going to be fine. A few seconds, you're going to be fine. He Said, ready, three, two, one, and he said he pushed it in, and he said the guy relaxed. Yeah, and he said, but he said then they came along and he put it in. And he said, but that wasn't that was pain. He said, and it shocked him. He said that three, two, one, and he said the guy relaxed immediately mm-hmm. because he thought that's what mm-hmm. it was. And I never, I thought, Jesus, that's like. A, Imagine if there's such a thing untapped that we just, we've got no language around it, so we just say placebo, but there's something there that's just sitting there waiting to be used, but we don't know how to access it. Like, I, I, do you believe in that sort of thing?
0: Oh, yeah. The placebo effect is well described. Yeah. And um, in fact, there are other pain receptors around it. And the way that our bodies work in the inflammatory response yeah. is all about damping down yeah, those yeah. sort of pains. And yeah. remember, there's a huge amount of psychological overlay because mm. whenever you think you've got a pain or you think you're dying, whoa, you're dying. The yeah. minute someone says to you, you're fine, suddenly mm. all your aches and pains go away. Yeah. Um, so, so there's huge overlap I used
1: to do a weird thing it's coming into uh, the uh, sort of scientific realm now when I was I spent my life doing experiments on people when they didn't know I mean like on a daily basis and I'm <laughs> again like, you're quite safe if I yeah, <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but because I was just trying to figure out the world when I was because I used to listen like the, I used to, like almost studying psychology from when I was eight mm. like when I was, bad things happened at home and I heard things and I thought oh if you talk a different way it changes an action And then I start to, I knew I was doing it. I knew I was listening for things. And then my mum would always like iron and listen to like LBC and psychologists would come on and I'd listen about psychology. So then it just snowballs, you know. Um, But anyway, so years later when I was like working in nightclubs and things, whenever anything bad happened, like a fight happened, I knew if you didn't nip it in the bud, not after the fights happened, I knew other people would their personality changed they became more aggressive they were miserable they kept going on about it and i thought oh this isn't good for your health to keep mm-hmm. talking about the fuck you know people do something bad happens oh you know you stress about it. i should have done this i should have done that i knew that if something bad's just happened nip it in the bud right then and stop them talking about it don't so like if somebody is particularly susceptible to build, be, build uh, beating himself up that oh, i should have done that and then they start going quiet and you go Oh, was thinking i've got to stop this now I would go to another girl and say, listen, this guy, you want to date, blah, 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 and get them Ooh. to talk. And it would instantly, sort of, and the next day, the next week, they, they wouldn't mention the fight, it wasn't important. So I started thinking, How do they, what's going on there that you're not allowing it to sort of seep in? You know, very crude terms are made. It's not seeping in. Whereas a fight happens or something bad happens and you don't completely change the scenario of what's going on. Get them to move away from what they're seeing they start doing i think of thinking 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 and some people are very that really is very degenerative to their mindset so i knew certain people i've got to stop this and i started i do think i never told them they're going to know now hearing this and it was only like a few years ago they started to introduce in uh, uh, um, um, war scenarios they realized that when people have just come through an accident to help their mindset you give them tetris Straight away, like literally in the, the ambulance, you'd give them mm. something and say, play that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Because, distraction. Yeah, and I can't, mm. I haven't really, because I've stopped doing the security that way. So I haven't been able to figure out like what it is. I'm, I I've figured out that something about stopping what's happening, like mm. don't think about it. Don't allow it to be absorbed. Mm. And the only thing I can think of is when, like from my own bad background, it sounds almost psychopathic when I say, like, I don't relate my past to anything now. And it sounds like almost a lunatic until explained that really nothing's touching me now. Like it's just electronic impulses, but that's in the brain. There's no different to that. Isn't and that I feel myself just
2: bottling it all up. Isn't that
1: bad? No, but it's what I'm saying. No, but you're, you're still, you're, you're yeah. still holding on to it. What I'm saying is if you know that there's nothing that happened is here, there's no you, you aren't the person you are when you're seven, you know, the, I think no. the skin regenerates the muscles, the bone, well, the brain's still there. But I try trying to explain to people, you, you thinking about your past is like, you know, the Emperor's New Closing, where people go, are you all mad? Why are you still... Like, I don't get it. Why haven't you not just let it go? Like, just forget about it. Mm. But that thing of thinking about things and letting it seep in and letting it think it's become part of you, when really... You don't exist now. You are not the person that was three-year-old. It's not you. Like, 10 years old, 15 years or 20 years old, You know, every five years, you sort of change. I say to everyone, if you watch a film every five years, that you've already seen, you will feel it differently. Of course. You're a different human being. You'll see things. You'll appreciate things. So, and it goes down to that, that. That's the only thing I can think of. Literally thinking about something rather than cutting it out, moving it away. Like, if, if something really bad happened to you, then you... And you thought, oh my God, this is terrible. And then somebody just walked in from the corner of the street that you hadn't seen for 30 years. And that thing doesn't stay with you. That just happened. Like the pain doesn't stay. But I can't figure out what it is. I can't figure out how you stop it. I know it's something to do with changing the mic, but I don't know what it is. It's, I've got to talk to a psychologist about it. <laughs> but it's a real thing. It's like the the, the the placebo thing. I've know I studied, I kept doing it on people, especially people that are very susceptible to thinking. Because I used to be like that. I'd think and think and think and think.
2: Well, it's just distraction,
1: stop, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah, but what has happened? What's it, what's not absorbing? And it's also taking
0: it? those those things that have happened to you and parking them and saying, you know, that happened. It wasn't my fault, but I've learned from it and I move on. Yeah. And it is that the whole time. It's a series of that, and that's what makes you stronger. But
1: you, you do have to realise that, like, that you're not there. That person, like. I know it sounds very emotional, but you're not. I mean, physically, you're <laughs> not. That doesn't exist. You're that growing. Yeah. You're continually growing. So you're not. this. Because my thing was, I had mistrust of my own body. I had an accident when I was a kid. I sort of grew up in a farm as well. And I got pulled under the, the blades of a tractor. <sighs> so it sort of ripped my Ouch. legs up. And then I had to go in hospital for a long time. And I had to learn to walk again and things like that. But I remember trying to walk when eventually I'd had so many operations, but the pain of having to have gauze changed and things I didn't have the, the parents that, to explain anything to me. Mm. So I had no reference points of what was going on. I thought they were trying to kill me because they'd hold me down and I'd fight and I'd put the plastic thing over my, and there was that weird electricity thing that would come through. And I remember trying to walk. And because I'd already been thinking about psychology and the way my mum was talking when she'd been beaten up and the screams and how to lie to teachers, I knew you could change people's thoughts. So when I was there, I was very much... I I knew a lot. So when I was trying to walk, whenever 11 or wherever it was, my legs wouldn't move. And I used to get pissed off of, like, the body isn't me. Like, it's not doing what I'm telling it. So there's that sort of tear of, like, I don't trust my own body. But then that... So when people say about my past and things that happened. I think the body's not you. You're, mm. That's the bloody sack that you sit in. The mm. brain's in there. But that you could remove the, the brain, let the body drop, and put it somewhere else, and you'd now be over there. So I think that's part of it, understanding that that's the thing that isn't touching you anymore. And he use the analogy, the crude analogy, that it's no different to a film you've seen. You're not worrying about Terminator 2 or whatever. It's just stuff that's in your head. It's not there. But it's, you've got to get over a lot of emotions because they think you've been like, tricking them with psychology. You go, no, if you can't disassociate yourself from that, I did it with pain. No can word
2: disassociation lie. be learnt? How do you even do yeah, that?
1: Well, you you I, was can, just, yeah.
0: I was just taking that all in. Well, um, how I learnt to yes do it. Yes, is the answer. Yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. it can. I... Something I'd learned from nobody, so I will learn from bloody films and things I'd seen in history books. I had nobody to learn from, so I was just grabbing at things I'd seen. And one of them was um, Star Wars, some Star Trek, I can't remember again. And uh, they're talking about pain and to Spock, I think it was. And he's going, Uh, like, why do you how can you disassociate from the pain? Mm. He says, I know it hurts, but I don't care. That's the thing. So I would get the needles in my hand and keep doing it, not in my hand. And I realized that if you, kept, you start thinking, you get bored of it. And then I'm not thinking, I know yeah. it's there, but I don't feel it. So, what would happen is like when it was very cold and we were working out in the cold, I would put something on that would make me even more cold. Just nutcase, okay, I don't know what I'm doing experiments on myself. It actually started because people were always moaning when it was cold. And that used to annoy me. Stop being a big baby. Oh, it's freezing. Men, mixed martial artists. So, I would specifically go right I'm not going to be like that learn what not to be like when people are moaning and whinging and it just spiraled off but then when I was really cold I, I, I could get 10 people on the phone and say in the summer he wore suede gloves a jacket and a t-shirt in the winter he wore suede gloves jacket and a t-shirt and everybody going why are you wearing that never told anybody because I was trying to trek myself out of pain that was going over a certain amount of time so if it was really cold it wasn't just immediate pain I could get rid of that easily because I had to learn it when the things were being peeled off me I just turned myself off but um I would, when it was cold, I knew it was cold, but I didn't care. But
2: pain's there for a reason. No, because... yeah, but
1: what I was trying to do is I was trying to figure out like, life. I had no reference. But again, I was 25, I was just waiting to get it over with. So when I had to sort my life out, I didn't know what I was supposed to be fixing. So I just tried to fix everything, which then became the magazine with the etiquette and the culture and blah, blah, blah. I just went out going, right, I have to figure out how to <laughs> brush my teeth and how to eat. I didn't know sugar was bad for you. Oh, so that's why I couldn't sleep because I was doing it I didn't know this wasn't bad. I didn't know about relationships. You know, we talked about how stupid I was with that. But the pain thing, I, I started doing it and it got out of hand because what happened is something really weird happened where when it was cold, like in the winter, I realised after like two years, whenever it, winter came around, I started wearing T-shirts in the cold. <laughs> I'd forgotten I was trying to do that and it felt weird. So like something had gone wrong, mm. but I, I still haven't figured out what it was, but I would wear cold stuff. In fact, the other week when we come down here it was cold with Tom, he said, why are you wearing a T-shirt? I said, it feels, it feels like I should be. But I learned somewhere in all that mess of one of those tiny experiments that I did that you can feel something but you can't remove yourself. Yeah. And I suppose it's like a <laughs> hypnosis type of thing. It is. That, it's that exactly that. Yeah. But I'm, again, there's too many things going on to study that but that's when I realised oh there's a real thing that can be learnt to mm-hmm. do with the pain from the past and things. I remember once I was dating a girl again, I was, my life was at the bottom of the bucket so I was with everyone down there and there's some people that I'd met from people who had been care homes and shared accommodation There was one girl who um, um, she, uh, she had three kids by three different dads and she was 19 mm-hmm. one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life mixed race girl um, her mum was an alcoholic in one of these special homes she, which she got kicked out of because she was drinking the uh, uh, mouthwash with alcohol oh. lo- that low mm-hmm. yeah. um, she was sweet nicest girl in the world and it turned out that I didn't say any names, did I? No. <laughs> You're all good. Did I mention it? Okay, right. But it turned out one of her kids was her dad. Right. Mm. Now f- so get this. Oh. Nicest girl in the world. Couldn't be stupidly nice. Too nice for her the surroundings. So that's why she kept having kids. She just trusted people. And she said that she had been kicked out when she was 15 from home because she got pregnant by her dad, but she wouldn't tell the family who mm. it was. And because she didn't tell the family, the mum kicked her out and the mm. dad was like that and one day i was uh, sitting outside the uh, shop and she was in the shop and she was just buying something and somebody said something to her she's laughing and i was just looking at her and i thought like think of what like she's been through mm-hmm. but you wouldn't know you know so when I talk about what we talk, spoke about before, about people all being the same, um, and that guy with £100 million pounds mm-hmm. I was talking to the other day, and he was talking about people, you know, we have prejudice, but everybody's the same, and I was talking about working in clubs and meeting surgeons and airline pilots, and and everyone had the same... When they got drunk, you spoke to them and they got to know you, and mm-hmm. I'm quite a talkative person anyway, and I care about people, you'd find out mm-hmm. that we're all just the same. So that thing of... When I meet any... I see people, you go, you never know that person's got everything... And it could be the most horrific day of their life. And that was the, the, the wonderful thing about... Even when I put the magazine together, I knew there were good people out there. I had no reference points from it. I didn't, know what the, I didn't know who... If you had a PhD or this made you any different. I didn't know. So that's what made the magazine possible because I knew people were basically all the same and their roles didn't matter. Because we're all... And as I found out later in life, I, I really come to see that... Basically, I think, from what I know, is we're all about 21, 22... <laughs> And we pretend to be adults, and even sitting in now, we know it. But there's always it's a slightly improved version of us that we give off, which is part of society. That's how it all keeps going. Mm. But really, we all sort of think we're the star, and there's the rest of the world, and we always think you know they're thinking that, and they got. But no, everybody's exactly the bloody same. And if we just could admit that, it would be so much better because then you wouldn't have. I said, everybody's half a pervert. Their the mindsets change constantly. They go back to things. They worry about things. They, they have bad thoughts. They, they feel guilty about things. That's the norm. But the, the facade is what causes but the bloody I th- problems. But I think,
0: <clears throat> excuse me, I think being a medic is a great leveller because you see everyone yeah, from every yeah. walk of life mm. and you see that even the richest people, even, even the people with the most in the world, they are only two steps away from absolute poverty. Yeah. And I've seen that so many times, you know, whether it's poverty or a huge accident or some mm. terrible bereavement. Um, and you realise that actually life is very precious and there is nothing for anyone to get too uppity about yeah. because everyone mm-hmm. is fundamentally the same. Yeah. Everyone bleeds red.
1: Yeah. yeah. Is, is it right, just throwing random information at you, that because when, like, in the, the nightclubs, you, I mean, you never feel getting stabbed. You, you just don't feel it. I mean, you barely feel getting punched, but you don't feel getting stabbed. So when we was working in the nightclubs, you'd have to like get somebody mm. to check you. But because you're sweating as well, you'd feel th- water. You'd That's think, oh, the my adrenaline, blood.
2: surely. You'll feel yeah. it afterwards, I should Yeah, think. I
1: mean, I got stabbed, but you don't, you don't feel getting stabbed. I mean, even when Stephen Lawrence, who was the guy, the black guy that got stabbed? Yeah, Stephen Lawrence. Mm. Yeah, the story, when I was reading about what happened is, he got stabbed mm. and there's running, and he was saying to the guy in front of him when they're running away, I can't run, I don't know why, and he kept falling down and getting up and trying to run. So you, don't, you don't, you'd, uh, th- don't feel the stab. But what we would worry about, again, it's all crude stuff that none of us were medics, mm. When somebody would get stabbed, you wanted the blood to come out. Because if it didn't come out, it meant it was going in. Mm. And is that right? well you'd
0: have internal bleeding so okay. if you can see the bleeding you know that there and is a stab the wound. darker
1: the blood means the more internal it is well, yeah, it's more like purpley
0: yeah i mean the thing is all you're trying to do is to assess the extent of injury right. and so as you know if you get a knife wound the best thing to do is to leave the knife in situ yeah, yeah, yeah. until you get to a medic i, I don't knew a, pull them out <laughs> i knew a
1: guy no i come from the back i worked in the clubs that nobody else had worked i didn't go so, to your clubs. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah I saw a woman in the army she worked for the army she's a medic in the army is that my phone um she said in uh, like she, like she was there for like if people's legs got blown off and she said she would and sometimes stick like a um, money bags if somebody's bleeding, just plastic, Yeah. just to stick it in because it will grip to the, the, yeah. the plastic. And I remember seeing that, all my life, I thought, Is that right? What she's talking about? Yeah. I learned the thing that everybody should know is when you cut yourself, hold the limb up. I yeah. don't know. You think, Oh, yes, it makes sense. But when you see it and you go, Oh, it stopped. Yeah, go, of course it S-. stops. But you don't think it's like you, it, that, that makes that much of a difference. Mm. So there's all these weird, crude things that I always wanted to ask somebody, like, Did that work? Was she a, little, a psychopath <laughs> just sticking things in her? That was bad because we, where I worked, one of the clubs, is uh, it was, we weren't really supposed to be there. It wasn't supposed to be run. And when I got stabbed, they wouldn't take me to the doctor, so I had to go to some bloke and get him out of bed. <laughs> and he just clipped something to there, but there were still bits in there, so I had to go to the hospital anyway to get some stuff taken out. So I had fun times in nightclubs. But listen, we're there to protect people, by the way. That's the... Yes. Dormant yeah. security at the most... under Like, what you've got to deal with, with what you're allowed to have, basically yeah. a black shirt. And that... I was saying something somebody the other day, actually, about... You, if you ain't got that badge, that mm. if you're a policeman or something, that takes away 90% of attacks on you. Nobody's going to sure. hit you because there's a re- repercussion. You take that away and take your yep. gun away and take the thing away and take the thing. People attack you all the time, but you've... I've seen the big guys lay on people because they couldn't stop them getting beaten up and mm. they took the beating for people. Big guys. Um, anyway, so I don't know if we've gone on that tangent. <laughs> Do you <laughs> go to nightclubs much, Dan? I, don't I don't am you? not anymore. I no? used to What's the was... last nightclub you queued up and paid for to get in? Oh,
0: my goodness. Uh... That long ago, yeah. I mean, yeah. it must be over ten years, fifteen years. That's not too bad. Any of them, big big clubs. What in about London. in America?
1: You must have been out there, no?
0: Nope. Where were you based in America? Um, I was in West Hollywood. Oh. Yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, what, look, this is what I said. If, what's not to like? So <laughs> I lived in an amazing apartment. Every day you open the curtains and you go, oh, look, it's sunny. <laughs> and then you go <laughs> for a run or go to the uh, mall. You go buy your food. And every weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I had pool parties. And I had the most oh, beautiful nice. boys and girls yeah. there. We took carts of liquor, um, <laughs> of spirits down to the... Um, <laughs> pool and basically we drank all weekend so
2: what brought you back to the UK
0: well yes that is a very good question <laughs> um, well uh, whilst I was out there I actually did um, I did pretty well I ended up doing a food competition show out there where I essentially played the role of a very unpleasant British TV host telling off fat Americans and they were trying to make cake um, and so they love all this you know being told off by a Brit and you know Simon Cowell's yeah, done yeah, it yeah. and Robinson's done it and weirdly I used to see Simon a lot when I was over there Um and and it did pretty well. And then I got asked to be in a movie, so I did that, where I played a um, which movie. Um, and no, you really don't need to know. It's Look. called Cavemen. Uh, and I play an over-the-top TV host. Oh, who'd have, really? Who'd have thought yeah. I could do that? And so I did that. And then I worked with Rachel Ray in New York, where essentially I played the role of a British doctor telling off fat Americans <laughs> and how, and how to eat stretch. from yeah. See, it's, yeah. all, it's all kind of going around the same uh, vein. So yeah. what
1: you, you've you come back. You said you're working on a new well, thing over here now.
0: Well, yeah. So I, I was there for six years. And America is, is a very difficult uh, place to break. Now, one of the fundamental things I got wrong was I went there thinking, well, they speak the same language yeah. as us, so they must be very similar to us. Mm. Well, they don't speak the same language and they are nothing like us. And then on top of that is LA. So mm. you then realise that actually that old maxim, which is never to have two countries been so divided by a common language, been right. Yeah. Because I suddenly realised, I have far more in common with the French or the Germans.
2: Yeah. Well, what was some of the differences
0: um well certainly in LA if you know people yeah, that's meet these breed, amazing man. people yeah. and they'd be like oh my god you're like totally yeah, awesome yeah, we must yeah, hang yeah. out which means I'll never see you again yeah. ever um <laughs> they just lie the whole yeah. time they all lie you go to business meetings and they go like you are amazing I knew a guy you
1: know? in the went to America it was a stuntman and he said that to me and I was mm. like okay I get it and I went there for this junior league mm. fun thing I was dating a girl over there and some, I swear to you, I was speaking to somebody at this event where they're raising money for yeah. whatever fund. And uh, she said, come over to me and what do you do? Straight away, what do you do? Oh, yeah. And I said the magazine and blah, blah, blah. She said, oh, where is it based? I said, well, I'm just starting it out and it's going to be online. As I was talking, she turned her head. Yeah, they all do I was that. from London. I'm not used to, if I'm talking mm. to you and you start talking and I do that, that's like that was like sociopath to me but the three questions
0: they all ask you is who are you what What do you do do, and what can you do for me and if you don't answer them they'll look away (laughs) this is
2: surely just pockets in LA no it is
0: it is the industry in LA Mm. and I mean even with my agent I was with a really good agent they all get fired everyone gets moved on it's reshuffled you know oh, the project in development, yeah, yeah, well, we're coming around to it and stuff. Three years later, what have you done yeah, with it? Yeah, nothing. nothing. Mm. So I just got so bored. Yeah. I mean, there are only so many pool parties you can do and so many lunches you mm. can have. Is that
1: much fake um, positivity I can listen to? with <laughs> well, that
0: <laughs> no, and then I suddenly thought, actually, it's, and I really only went away to come back anyway. Mm. And... I suddenly thought, well, maybe it's time to go back to the UK because my family's all here. You know, my nephews and nieces are growing up and I'd like to see them more. And, and I have done a lot of television in the UK. You know, I started on uh, Newsround. That was the first Newsround, one. Yeah. John Craven gave me that job. John and, Craven. Isn't and, it? <laughs> and then I ended up doing a dancing on the roof of Television Centre with an uh, aardvark called Otis. I worked with Morag the Cow in Scotland. I'm fully booked. I danced with Steps on Blue Peter. Um, I'm from there, I then worked on Watchdog with Anne Robinson, did Watchdog oh. Health. Check which I wrote and hosted with Gabby Roslin. I did uh, Tomorrow's World after that. I did Most Haunted Live, a big paranormal show. Uh, you name it, I've done it.
1: What did you do your Most Haunted Live? I hosted it. How did that go?
0: So, the control. That was your well, best
1: acting part. Well, <laughs> oh, no,
0: no, in my defense. The control. <laughs> uh, the control- I didn't ask you to defend it. In, in, in the control of the channel, phoned me and yeah. he said, What do you know about ghost hunts? And I right, said, Right. And you went, and I said, Right. Nothing. Yeah. And he said, Brilliant, I have a show for you. And I was like, right. So <laughs> it was a uh, three hour live show. Now, to me, a live show has a script about this big, okay, right. which is like two telephone books. Yeah. Um, 500 people in the audience. I'm in some crazy, spooky castle. We have these strange paranormal investigators. Up, what do
1: you mean, audience and in a castle?
0: So we're in a castle. Yeah. And then we've got the paranormal investigators yeah. who go off into various parts of the castle. I have historians. So where are the audience? To, to, oh, I'm coming to them. Okay. And the historians who are basically trying to put some historical fact to this. And then we have 500 people in freezing cold in their overcoats, sitting in the in one room of the castle with oh, me. Right. So it's like my studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay what's well, see. And they gave me, for the script, an A4 sheet of paper. And I looked at it and I thought, we're going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And essentially, I had to ad-lib really? the entire programme. Mm. And so not only did I have to create a narrative from beginning to the first ad break, and then the first to the second and so on, mm. but a narrative across the whole three hours... And it was the craziest piece of television I ever did. Uh, have you got any conf- But What I would say about that is that it became the highest rated show on that channel and it then became the highest rated show on any channel at really? one point because oh, wow. it was so it was so such of the moment and that everyone kept watching and thinking, well if David's doing it, it must be kosher. This is my, yeah. And, and then you can't turn it off because just in case something happens, you know, you can't even go and make a cup of tea because something just might happen. So
1: w- are you ever going to do that again? No. And you've got no <laughs> are you connected to them in any way? Uh, no. Right, okay. So how, what, is there any part of you that like, how, what was the psychosis in your head that was going We're going, okay, I've got to make this work, but I'm not, into that. Were well you know. No, I'm a
0: man of science. So yeah, you Exactly know, the point is I would take what happened on the night mm. and try to make some sense of it. Now But, that, how did that but there may be some historic you know, mm. if someone hears the name Brian in the dairy <laughs> I can then go to the historians and say, well, that's very interesting. Was Brian ever in the dairy? Um, And they can say, well, looking back, Brian was in the dairy. (laughs) Just pass it along to that. Well, it was a bit like that. And then you could talk about, and then I could have some local people say, oh, I remember Brian because, you know, and so that was really nice. I was essentially storytelling. Oh, so you wasn't
1: the one going through who? No, no, no. Okay. But what
0: I would say to you is things happened on that show. I cannot explain to this day.
1: Go, give me one.
0: Um, I'll give it. The, the best one was we had done this particularly crazy show where it had snowed. We'd had men um, shoving the snow out of the satellite trucks because we had no signals. It was mm. pouring with rain. You know, it was it was like a ghost film. And uh, we rapped and we rapped about one in the morning. And I got in my car and I drove back to the hotel. And I was driving through a wood. It had to be a wood, didn't it? In the pouring rain. Yeah. And I couldn't see anything. Wipers on full speed, full speed. And I suddenly got this awful feeling that someone was in my car oh. with me. So I thought...
1: I <laughs> and got... you weren't thinking about it? No. Just the feeling, no, was there. It, I
0: just knew. So I got out of the car <laughs> in the pouring rain in the wood, checked under the seat, yeah. went into the boot, checked the boot, just checking nothing there. Couldn't find anything anyway. Shut the door. Drove for about 100 miles an hour to the hotel that we were staying at got to the hotel, ran into the bar and, um, ordered a drink. And then Derek Okora, who was the paranormal investigator, came up to me at the bar and he said, you didn't come here on your own, did you? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, someone was in your car and I know who it was. And I freaked. I was like, blood drained from your (laughs) face. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, And then he said, but it's okay, it was your grandmother. And I said, well, because I was very close to my grandmother and she has something to tell you. And then as he started to tell me what it was, his whole face changed and he became incredibly demonic, leapt on top of me. What? This is is off camera, strangled me, pushed me down onto the floor and was basically throttling me on the floor. Now, I had two bouncers at the time that would look after me. And they had to wrestle him off and he had superhuman strength and they were smacking him to get him off and basically, you know, took him away. Well, to say that was a bit frightening, you know, was to say the least. So the next morning at breakfast was interesting. (laughs) So um, I came down to breakfast and there's Derek um, and Derek just said, look, I'm really sorry about what happened last night. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, because one minute you were being nice and telling me about my grandmother and the next minute you were strangling me. So what happened? And he said, well, it was completely my fault. I didn't close down the the seance when we left the venue. And when I was talking to your grandmother, an evil spirit hijacked that communication channel
1: you didn't text anybody when he got in like from the bar in the bar I just had a really bad experience in the car you didn't text anybody but it's
2: not power of suggestion he didn't Mm. sort of put that because it was late at night you said one o'clock in the morning you're obviously tired long day at work if he'd sort of put suggestions in there you know it's very
0: specific (laughs) and I literally went to the bar and ordered gin which is Mm. what I need when things like that happen and it was the first thing that anyone said to me
1: I've never I've never told anybody about about this because I talk about spirituality all the time I'm careful what I say because I don't I want people to switch off from what I 'm saying, but when I left home and blah blah, blah and then went back, to try and sort it out, I left home again because something happened one day i'd lived in the house all the time, I knew there was something weird, but I didn 't fuck. and I one particular day having lived in that house all my life, knowing there was something there, everything was didn 't care I knew I could feel things, and I never felt anything major. One day I was there with somebody, went into a room, opened the door. And I thought, something has just walked out of here. And I closed the door. And I'm now a bouncer in my... Don't give a, I ain't thinking about nobody. And I closed the door. And I thought, there's somebody behind me. <laughs> and I'm walking... Like, I've never told anybody this. And I walked into the bedroom, opened my bedroom door. And I thought, something just walked in. And I'm keeping my head on going, why are you suddenly thinking this now? Like, this is And I closed the door. And I got into the bed. Uh, and I'm going to cut the belly anyway. So I was sitting there. And then I kept seeing something walk across the bed. Now, I, I'm half still a moron, so I don't care about that sort of stuff. I'm looking at the window going, right, there's no cars. It's in the, it's in the farmyard, so there's no lights anywhere. There ain't no nothing for mm-hmm. a couple of miles. And I'm thinking, this thing's walking around. And I think, okay, right. So even your brain, my brain's putting something there because of whatever. Mm-hmm. And I leave it, and I put my head on the blanket. And I go, stop being a moron. You're an idiot. I'm half embarrassed. And I look up again, and it's walking around the bed like that. Mm-hmm. And it comes back, and then it stopped, and it looked at me. Now, as a man... I was scared. I hadn't been scared for a long time. It was weird, the feeling, anyway. And that mm. day, it was like some. Oh, and also that day, my mum, who kept going about being psychic, I was half embarrassed by saying it. She came into the room that day and she said, What's that burning smell? Like I can smell something burning for no reason. Never, never said it before. She said, I'll use it as a sign of a ghost or whatever. Mm. And I'm just going, Eh, anyway. And she went out and then that happened. And I, I'm telling you now, something, not even a feeling, something was behind, behind me and I knew it was behind me. The feeling mm. of a person being there, not thinking and walked in. And I felt when I opened the room, I felt it go in okay. and then I closed the door. And Then I forgot about it and, got in, and I saw that thing moving around and it stopped and it was looking at me. And for some reason I knew... It did not want me there. And for some reason, I'd let it out for whatever. It somehow needed to get from there to here. And I left partly because of that reason. Never told anybody before. Mm. Never repeated it because mm. of that thing. And that's one thing I'm telling you. Stuff happened afterwards that I'm not going to go into. But there was a, I, when I was trying to figure like my own spirituality out, I like, thought was always there from a kid. Mm. But I had no reference point to talk to anybody. I didn't know about religion or anything when like bad things happened in life it didn't match up with what i thought was supposed to be so i got really pissed off at like terrible things that had happened to me mm. i hated the world because i was play i was playing by the rules that i should have been and it wasn't giving me those rules back and i started going to psychics to sort of look at talking to them and because i was fairly in tune by the age i was 20 i might as well have been 50. Mm. i was thinking okay she's lying She's very good. Oh, she should have been like a psychologist. She's she's not lying, but she's picked up on stuff. It's like pattern recognition. Mm. She's not thinking, that's random stuff. You know, stuff hits you. They go, "What did she guess?" stuff? And, is there somebody out there? Oh, yeah, I opened the door. Sorry. Mm. Um, then, uh, yes, th- then I saw this woman. And I've never... I'm not going to even go into what she said, but like for an hour, like I was in shock. I came out and I was about 27. I was shaking mm. because it was as if... I I don't trust anybody because I know people lie from clubs. So I immediately thought, who did I tell? Nobody. No two people knew me the same. I was Mm. different for everybody. So nobody had anything connection to anybody. And I didn't speak about anything to do with anybody. And she would tell me stuff that I was looking at when I was a kid. That was six random things put together. And that's why you were doing it. And that's why you were looking there. And that's why you did that. And that feeling that you feel, that's why that... Mm. And I wrote it down and I kept it. And I never went back to her again because it scared the shit out of me. I came out and my hands were shaking. And I remember going to the Tesco's and I was handing over money. And the woman was talking to me like a film. And my brain was somewhere else. Because I suddenly realised, oh, Mm. that's real. Like all those morons that I hated spiritually because they're all lying. They're lying against the thing I know is real. That woman, she said to me when I walked in, she said, right, it's 40 quid. But I'm not supposed to say anything bad. Just a little old woman in the house. And she gave me the money back. She said, "If you don't want me to tell you anything bad, just go now. Just take the thing. No TV in the house. It was really weird." And yeah, 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 going out Had my bomber jacket on. I was doing nightclub security, and she said, over about half an hour, basically mapped out my life. Not hit things. Said names. I didn't say a bloody thing. She said things about oh, things I was staring at. I used to do weird stuff like leave the house and go and sit in a ditch and I'd stare at the M25 because there was always war in the house. I felt safer in the dark. So I'd leave the house and go and go into a ditch and stare at the M25. And she told me that's why you were looking at the, the roads of all the cars going past in the night and stuff I'd go into my house. And you know why you turned mm. the music up loud when they were fighting to do that. And you know, she did that and came from there. I'm thinking nobody knows anything about me. Mm. No one person knows everything she's said. No. And after that came and she told me other stuff and partly to do with why I did this she said you've got to and she said ask me certain questions and so i, I was allowed to ask you three questions and the, I, the only people i've told outside of here is like people that had lost f- like a friend of mine really good friend of mine her young friend like 18 committed suicide and luke whose uh, dad died luke who he helps me pull this together his dad died recently and i've given them mm. what that woman said to me because it was so strange the way she said about death it was like, we're all children, we just haven't figured it out. We're like morons, we're so silly, we don't know a bloody clue. And she mapped out like what the process was. Mm. But to this day, like I've sort of disassociated it from it because it was so odd that I still haven't, to this day, like understood what it is. Because I can figure things that lies out like that and I can't pick it apart. And, but it was so much of it that it scared me. Like a friend of my, Luke, said, why don't you go back to it? I said, no fucking way, I don't want to know. I don't want to know there's a thing out there doing that. But yes, yeah, so and you saying that. So I've never it until, because I, see, I respect the fact that you're you saying it if anybody else had said it I would not have mentioned nothing but something is just I think we're still children we yeah don't. well
0: I think also that we do have a psychic abil- ability without a doubt you know uh, we all know whether we go like a room when we go into it for example does it feel like a nice room a warm room does it feel like a cold room and I remember that when we went to another venue which was called the, the chuff In, I think it was um, <laughs> that's a carry on film, I know yes. it should have been um, and we were walking around and we were um, you know sort of just taking everything in and I walked into one particular room it was a very pretty girl's bedroom it was all pink and it should have been really lovely and I walked in and I didn't like it one bit there was something about that room I just didn't feel comfortable the sun was shining through the windows but I didn't like it and I went downstairs and I talked to the people running the bar and I said what happened in that room and they said two girls were killed in that room they hanged themselves in that room
1: Mm. how would I have known that yeah yeah and again you would have done all the hard work you're sensible it's not like you've tricked yourself and you're a bit sloppy in the thinking like yeah so but you're just you have none of it
2: No, no, I I have an open mind. I mean, I find it hard to believe, but, you know. The
1: problem is there's so many charlatans out there. The the noise that comes back from what is lies.
0: Well, also, the one thing I always think about is that, you know, we all think we're terribly clever, you know, Mm. particularly doctors, we're terribly clever. (laughs) But actually, if you think how little of our brains we use Mm. and to understand our entire brain structure would take a brain a hundred times the size of the brain that we Mm. have, which wouldn't get in your head anyway, um, that I am absolutely convinced there are so many memories and feelings that we Mm. hide away that for lots of reasons well you know that when people have immense trauma they shut memories away they shut feelings Mm. away and actually I think sometimes the more open to things you are the more you will get back yeah so we, we don't like to be in a position where we're always challenged we like things to be orderly yeah. mm. we like to know that we go to the supermarket and that groceries arrive we like this to happen the sun goes up and it comes down again we don't like anything that disturbs that yeah we've mm. got
1: well, I think we're, we're actually limited by language like because if you haven't got the language to explain something it doesn't exist technically you know you're, mm. by, by having a verbal language you're tied in so Like somebody was telling me about Mussolini, but he was trying to ban the word freedom because he believed that if you got rid of people using the word, then the thought of it would disappear, Mm. like over generations. And I, even when I think about medicine, because I'm more scientific than anything, because I don't believe anything. Mm. So I've been trying to break everything down into its uh, minutiae parts. And I, I, I think when, because the language holds us in, even when people say, like, what's wrong with you? Oh, that medical term there, that medical term there. It's because you think, well, that thing you've got there might have started off when you were 12 like you banged your finger Mm. and then that something happened there that just sat there and a thousand other things that happened and then another load of things that happened that which then led to that thing happening so it was always like in my head if you can name it it shows how ignorant we still are because everything is such a mix of a million things happening from when from birth Mm. that then makes that happen to you and not to them and so the fact you can name stuff actually shows we're still ignorant but there's no answer to that. You can't go, well, what's the answer? Well, it means we've got to get past language. The machine's got to be invented, so you can't calculate. The, there's too many calculations, because it's like the, the the shuffling the card thing. You can have six, 30 cards, and you start seeing how many calculations could be within there, and it's in the trillions. You don't realise. Mm. I think Stephen Fry said, that, that guy where he's playing chess, or with rice, the guy says, I'm going to kill you, but as a game, um, um, or give me a request or something like that, and he says... Uh, uh, i have going to pay, put, put a piece of rice on the chessboard um because oh yeah no he, yeah he says uh, how much i'm going to pay you in something do you want the cash do you want this and he says mm. just give me a pound or whatever the terminology was for every grain of rice but all you have to do on this chessboard is double the rice each time mm. he goes all right, yeah, got whatever so he said okay it's two bits of rice it's four the six the thing mm. and he realized this guy's pulled the ball out because when it got to that size there wasn't enough rice in the world so we had him killed for, like, being cheeky. But that thing has always stayed in my head of things are so complicated in the world yeah. that if you name it, it instantly shows you don't know what you're talking about because you're just mm. grasping at some great crude version of this word that means that thing but that thing was made up of a million things mm. happening that were all interconnected sort of like the brain That's mm. what, if you can't name well we got that bit of the brain there and you've got the hippocampus there
0: well we don't know but what half of
1: it does mm. yes but, it, but if it's the whole working of the whole thing is then when we go we don't know it's too yeah. much going on oh, yeah. at so many different points right listen I've already broken a promise to you on the first time. Oh, I've are met we you. over? Yeah, like story. Oh Christ, I thought we was just gone. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna wrangle you back on at some point in the future because um, there's a lot of other stuff I want to talk to you about. Um, so your new show, yes, has it got a name?
0: It does, but I can't tell
1: you. Okay, yeah,
0: what's it about? It's about property. And uh-huh. the reason for that, I will just tell you, yeah, yeah. I've, um, my little sideline oh, is, that's your I, is I, know. I develop properties. <laughs> and I have okay. done for a, for a long time, actually. I have a little portfolio of oh, my nice. own. And it really started because my boss on Watchdog said when I had my first one, I was going to go to move to Canary Wharf. And he said, oh, no one goes there. You know, there's only one tower. You don't want to go <laughs> there. It'll be nothing. No one will invest. Ha <laughs> yeah. um so I then basically took the equity out of my first one liberated it and then put it in to the second and I kept doing it until I have you got anything you, that you want to be
1: doing like in 15 years is there any like grand thing planned that like, right really want to get over to that like politics or anything that
0: well as you know I uh, have dabbled in politics I often think about it and yeah. I've had meetings recently about whether it's worth going back in. You see, the thing for me is I'm all about passion and I have to really believe it. And the problem with the current political system, and particularly being a member of parliament, is it's really hard work and you are just one of many little Mm. pawns in a much bigger game. And you are also beholden to your constituents who often aren't the easiest to please. Um, but so somehow I would like to be involved in politics. What I'm doing, for example, campaigning about PrEP is very important to me because I can sort of mm. circumvent some of those other channels. I can go and see the Secretary of State and talk to him directly rather than going through Parliament itself. You but know, it's almost I politics it's,
1: it isn't the, the power nowadays. It's, but it still is powerful. <laughs> no, uh, no, I know. I mean...
0: <laughs> and increasingly so possibly well, under I'll, Brexit.
1: <laughs> when, when I started putting together the bloody podcast and the magazine and then this pilot comedy thing... Oh, I probably shouldn't tell you this. Well, anyway, it's not tricking anybody. But my thing was, that you, if you want to change perceptions of personal development, spirituality, yeah. I knew I had to reinvent it. So I had to use, and this is what Oscar Wilde, there he is, Something he said where he said, if you want to change society, you have to use the weapons of its own era. Absolutely. So there'd be no point being involved with politics when nobody cares about politics. But if you do it and you're a comedian and you've come from a background where people Mm, trust you and you're a doctor, blah, 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 then you can change things. You always have to come from the outside. So it's sort of like you'd be on a good sort of now to get mm. to politics yeah. because you've done all the others not because you've been involved Absolutely. that's the problem
2: yeah people trust doctors they we, don't they trust do. quite rightly <laughs> well, well Luke
1: who's helping me on all this the guy said he's just lost his dad I've been saying to him for two years that he will be prime minister in 20 years somebody that's so far advanced in the early 20s that I go pfft like he's constantly traveling around the world, doing things with the African things and things over here in the Rotary Club. And he doesn't stop. And he's like 22, 23. And I said to him, you're sort of, and the passion he talks about, like, it's amazing. And... I said to him, we've got to make you, like, prime minister. And I'm not joking. Mm. I just said, I've got to lay down in front of you. You can step on me to whatever I do to try and get you there. And, of course, he doesn't want it and He doesn't want the power, which is more mm. the, you know, It's yeah. where's what, what the guy in uh, uh, Life of Brian when they're <laughs> trying to get him to say the Messiah? I'm not the Messiah. <laughs> uh, only the Messiah would say he's not the Messiah. Yeah. All right, I am the Messiah. <laughs> yeah. Now, fuck off. But <laughs> well, anyway, but, yeah, it's that thing. like the, yeah, But I'm serious. So, like, you need, I think... Maybe not now, but people like you and other people that build to that crescendo, where that's where the change comes from. Not from inside the politics the whole way up. Yeah, and I think
0: there is a real issue with political class. You know, people who've gone through, you know, Politics at university, and then worked mm. as a researcher in the House but of Commons, and then you were, you were because yeah. they have no real experience of anything. Yeah. At least if you are doctors or lawyers, you've seen those systems. You've got to action. look in the eyes, of yeah, people. and you can yeah. go in knowing the reason. I talk about the NHS the whole time and why it doesn't work, properly yeah. at the moment. Well, it's obvious when you're a doctor you because yeah. you're there the whole time. You see the way the, the pathways don't function, yeah. and actually, I keep saying that actually the biggest problem with the NHS right now is not particularly the number of beds; it's the fact that we can't get people out means we can't get people in so although we do need more beds we also need more social care and we also need to work out what we're doing with primary care because those two things have to work for this bit to work And And there's no joined up thinking at all going on. But
1: see, that's the thing. Like I've been involved in the driving industry in the security industry and each one of those things, it's the, the structure is the broken problem. Like random stuff that you go, Mm. if this was just taken away and they did what they said, security, I'm talking about like nightclubs, driving lorries, like in both the industry, there's like this weird thing that holds onto its own power, Mm. but it keeps the problem there because the people at the top need to fund itself sort of thing. Um, but to, just to end on a more polite note, I live near a care home and I recently oh. found out at night, uh, recently that it's a care home for couples that want to die together. Oh, that's, oh. Nice. So that's nice. Isn't that nice? And yeah. it's, it's a good when I leave in the morning, sometimes I'm out like half six in the morning, there's a guy there in a the wheelchair opening all the big curtains and I always admire him. Like mm. I think he's up there before they get up. To See, do now work. that comes
0: nicely to my last point, which is I think something has to be done about care homes and ageing disgracefully. And that's a big passion of mine.
1: I mm. think... What we should do is somehow connect young people and old people's homes. We used to. Mm. Because it, there's like why I watch old stuff rather than new stuff is because I know there's a bank of knowledge there that people don't pick from. Yeah. Mm. Like boring films, miserable it's stuff. It's
2: almost a mentality, isn't it? That yeah, we have no respect trained. for old people. But and if you said like, like, somebody
1: mm. gets in and says, right, the primary schools once mm. a year. They all go and spend a day with them. Nothing more than that. Just let um, them know each other. And when
0: I was a care of the elderly doctor, I used to, you know, when you become old, you all get stuck on the same ward. And and I used to think, even as a doctor, oh, the elderly people, they'll all be fine. They'll all like each other. They don't like each other.
1: (laughs) They're all incredibly different
2: people, aren't they? You know, (laughs) and apparently
1: a lot of sex goes on, and they have to be. There's the problems with them. Yeah really well they're people
0: they're people and they are just trapped in these bodies but yeah. spiritually they're young they're still 20 yeah, aren't they yeah, they're exactly. still 16 or whatever i think you're
1: always 30 years behind i think that's what the thing is when, mm-hmm. when you're 70 you go oh, i'm 30 now there's something very very
0: big needs to be done about old age
1: and it's again it's one of those things that's so simple there's no massive problem we can't it's just a very very basic stuff but you can't make money from a lot of these things so that's why it doesn't right. happen the money but uh, yeah Sex and the Elderly let's end it on there there you go <laughs> <laughs> alright David Listen, All right. thank you very much it's been thank a real you. pleasure to miss you and uh, hopefully I uh, get to see you soon next mm. time Jenny yeah. happy?
2: Yes, very good Yeah,
1: I know you're happy You open a Ferrari car door A couple of times a week Yeah, she it's does a <laughs> oh, It's
2: a McLaren Oh, so She tried to
1: defend it By making it worse <laughs> Well, good, good on anyway. you All right, Thank you very much Thank Bye. you Bye. You've
0: been listening To the Via Lucci Podcast Recorded in London With your hosts Jenny Hammond And Theo
1: Rex. Audio production By Antonio Penejol To get in touch with the show Go to ViaLuchi.com And follow the links My name's Tom Wheelingham. Until next time Be good to each other Be good to yourself And have a great day
0: Watching shadows on the wall And the parts on the screen that's cold. And I'm in the corner with my head in a dream To myself I quietly think So many things to get you off And I cough and I scoff and take another drag of my cigarette And I don't mind if the sun don't shine Body weather suits me
1: fine the best one on the boat tonight, I think I'll be a superstar.